Please visit anywhenanywhere.com for more information about this program. It's our conversation with Solomon. Wanting to be cool. A musician and activist. And someone who is very much living their life. Join us and follow along with our collaboration. The largest chunk of any given person's life is often spent trying to figure out how to behave in a way that actually lines up with the things that you believe. And that might be an oversimplification for sure. I know that there are people who have jobs that they do not like who are sitting there gritting their teeth saying, yeah, that's easy for you to say. But I think that more and more, that is the motivation for most people. That they look at themselves, they look at the things that they can do, the way that they can act, the things that seem closest to them, and then they wonder, how do I make the world see me this way? It's not exactly an easy thing to wrestle with or even consider under the best of circumstances it's not actually a simple task i think that we all can look at politics and the world that we live in right now and the people around us and media and the interwebatron and all of these things and it's very easy to imagine that there aren't people considering how they look when they behave a certain way. In fact, I think most of us consider the possibility that uh, a large chunk of those in charge are not considering <laughs> that very thing. But it is this consideration, I believe, that uh, kind of makes us unique and puts artists in a different category we do want to align our behavior with our beliefs because when we finally accomplish that we don't have to hide anymore we can just be artists and uh, it helps tremendously the identity starts to shift and change and become something more comfortable and more uh, flexible you can embody things that you weren't able to before, and you can present yourself in ways that are not only telling and wonderful, but actually get the story across. And it helps communicate that you're not just some nameless, faceless person out in the world performing X task for Y income and uh, hoping that that's gonna get you somewhere, somehow. When I was thinking about the shows that we could run to lead off 2019 with, my conversation with Thalem, uh really seemed far too appropriate. There's something in him where it didn't take long to be talking about 
very deep, interesting, and complex issues about our world. And part of that is that his lifestyle is intertwined in activism, in politics, in expressing self in a big way that then uh, leads to creative accomplishments and uh, new dialogues with other artists. Uh, all of that stuff feels very relevant for 2019. It feels like something that we need to be addressing, that we need to be taking in and uh, having be a part of the way that we present ourselves in the coming year. The notion that we can separate our politics from our entertainment and our identity from our politics or anything from our politics doesn't work anymore. Uh, we just can't live that way. It not only betrays us as a culture, but it just betrays us individually. Speaking with Thalem really not only helped crystallize all of this, but painted a very interesting picture of the working life of an artist on the road, trying to make it to gigs, trying to wrestle with the creative process as well as the logistic process of performing and making music. And, uh, you know, as hard as it is to do that, and as uh, mysterious as it seems when you find somebody who can pull it off, in a lot of ways, talking with Thalem really sells this idea that is kind of at float in the back of my mind, and I think a lot of people tend to kind of mm, toss it aside and ignore it, but... Uh, it's this nagging sense, this uh, recurring vibration, or maybe even a leitmotif. When you try hard enough, when you pursue it every day, when the art and your life become the practice of everyday being, well, that's what it means to be an artist. UTBC Radio in beautiful anywhere, anywhere. This conversation was recorded on the Lava Lamp Launch patio on September 27th, 2018. Speaking of uh, traveling and whatnot, how, yeah. how are, how's your tour going? Uh, it, it's going good. Yeah? It's just, yeah, it's been a lot. Of, it's been an excessive driving. Yeah, yeah. But And I started off sick, so it was like I've just been catching up the whole time. Oh, no. Yeah. I have never... But I think I'm almost, like, caught up. Like, yeah. Okay. I, know. I don't think I've ever done any traveling while sick. Oh, right. uh, I because like as soon as I get sick, I basically crawl in my bed and kind of wait for it to pass and, yeah. and then crawl out. I usually do too when yeah. I can, but sometimes oh, you can't. Damn. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I read a book once where the premise was I think the drummer was getting sick while he was on tour, and so oh. it was like all of his like fever dreams as uh -huh. he's like, oh, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, hopefully no fever dreams. <laughs> no. No. No, I haven't had any. Yeah. So how many stops are you making on this uh, jaunt total? Um, what is it? 
12, I think. 12, nice, yeah. yeah. Now, when you uh, set out on something like this, uh, do you like to make the arrangements yourself, or do you work with somebody? Or? It depends. It depends. Yeah. yeah, but like this, we pretty much mostly we set out together. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, I'm finding it very interesting to get into that part of the musician's life. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we could talk about mm -hmm. recordings and performances and all that kind of stuff to the end of time. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is the working element of, like, driving to shows, right? talking to promoters, making yeah. sure the show is happening, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, getting your band together and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, the administrative elements of being a musician are, are never glamorous. <laughs> no, and the type of automobile that you need to tour with, what type of project, and so on. There's uh, every it's constant changing of. I'm happy to talk about anything. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm very curious. Like, uh, are we taping now? Oh, we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when you do go on uh, a jaunt like this, uh, what kind of stuff do you bring with you? Obviously, your gear uh, for performance, but. Uh, are there creature comforts you're looking for that, that you have to have in the van with you, or is, or you do you yeah. try to ride pretty minimal? Well, we're pretty minimal. <laughs> yeah, we're very minimal. So our van seats two people mm -hmm. and sleeps two people. Oh, perfect. Like it cannot be any shorter, and I wouldn't fit. <laughs> I'm <laughs> right. six feet tall, so it's like just oh, like got it, got boom. it, got it. Yeah, and then <laughs> storage underneath the bed, mm -hmm. and. Um, and so there's certain creature comforts. I mean, we need to be, we can't afford to be uncomfortable like we used to be. Yes. And like that's changed a little bit, you know? <laughs> so like, you know, that, yeah, there's certain things you have to, but it's still, I would say on the gauge of lifestyle, of uncomfort per lifestyle, it's way over on the extreme. Nice. I mean, most people, I don't think, are that interested in being as uncomfortable as you have to be normally on tour. <laughs> and Unless you're, you know, getting a, picked mm -hmm. up by limousines, taking a five-star hotel. Which, and then the, yeah, you know. that almost never <laughs> happens. <laughs> right. uh, but there is something, uh, I mean, this is definitely the next step up because uh, I talked to so many people where they have the, like, a hardwood floor in a basement that was sure. kind of damp stories oh, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. just being self-contained couches like, covered in bong water and right yeah. right so being self-contained <laughs> like that i imagine um there's a uh um it, it kind of solves for the equation in a little bit like you know that like when you get somewhere no matter how fucked up it gets yeah. like you can still have a place to stay you're comfortable you're safe <laughs> yeah it really makes a big difference for us mm -hmm. at this point in time for sure yeah but i mean i slept on plenty of floors sure right? enough, we and all I'm, have <laughs> yeah yeah and so um but i'm a little less interested in doing that nowadays yeah you know it's so it just change depends on where you're at and what, mm -hmm. you know but i think that yeah that's i i mean that is kind of uh, a, a great part of touring actually until mm -hmm. you get tired of it Right. <laughs> you just get tired of, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no matter how what prepared you feel and whatnot, like, when you are burned, like, it's, it's time to go home. <laughs> you know, like, it's... Yeah, well, or it's time mm. to persevere. Mm, yeah, and okay. get to the next level, because... Oh, that's That's like a... This. Yeah. And, you know, we're... Basically, we have been living on the road for well over a decade. Yeah. Without a, a particular... pretty relentless. <laughs> yeah. 
in a way it's relentless in some ways and then you know we also schedule time off it's just that mm -hmm. we don't go back to one location for that right every time. we don't go back home mm -hmm. right it's a completely different mindset mm -hmm. than going on a three week intensive tour or something or 10 days or five weeks or whatever and then returning home because there's this sense that that has a beginning and an end mm -hmm. Whereas if you're just you're just continuously moving, it's more actually your lifestyle than yeah, anything it just else. exactly. And so, you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's just, but it is a different type of a philosophy or sure. a perspective on, on on existence and on touring. Yeah, well, because it takes it into a more philosophical realm than it does of like. Okay, I gotta get 500 miles tonight because then I have to hit this city next week. It's more about like being in the moment then, because then you can appreciate it. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, mm -hmm. it, I mean, I so I mean, there's so many directions to go with this, but um, this lifestyle probably is what affords you to be able to play with so many unique performers. Right. Because uh, like, yeah. you look at this list and it's like. There's some jazz guys, there's some rock folks, mm -hmm. there's, it's really mm -hmm. like this mixed bag. And like, and I mean, I, I have a million questions about Jad Fair alone, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I got a million answers for you. Too. Right. And then I have on top of that, like Nels Klein and Mike mm -hmm. Watt and Sarah Lund. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, each of those could be a whole hour long interview of their own. Yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> I, I guess my, my question is, uh, was part of the lifestyle getting to the point where you could work with these kinds of folks and have this kind of flexibility Did, like or was like were you, or were you already there and so then you just decided to adopt the lifestyle i'm trying to figure out the chicken oh. and the egg on this well, <laughs> I, i've always been kind of itinerant mm. anyway even oh, okay. like so uh for a while i was just i just was doing uh basically activism for mm. in my early 20s cool and i lived with a backpack and that's it mm. and so what kind um, of activism uh, well, I mean, everything. Everything. And to war, to Redwood Summer. I came up to Humboldt oh, County for mm -hmm, Redwood mm -hmm. Summer in 1990. Um, uh, nuclear Nevada test site. Right. Um, uh, environmental uh, and animal rights. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, I mean, the uh, gamut. I mean, to right, me, it's right. all intertwined. Well, it, absolutely. I, I, I ask this because some people have a focus when they mm -hmm. get into it where they're like, oh, I'm really interested in, like, saving this particular forest or trees. Well, and that's a, good, uh, that's, that's a good tactic because mm -hmm. if everybody focused on one thing like that, right. it can have a big impact everywhere, right? Right, right, right. And so I think I um, maybe in some ways fall error to the side of, trying to fix everything simultaneously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> well it, it's but, like that um i'm trying to remember yeah. the uh um <laughs> person is like you pull on a thread and you realize it's connected to everything right like as soon as you go outside and you actually start fighting for any cause yeah you start to realize like oh but the money is coming from this direction and they're supported by this other organization and that's a sure. whole network <laughs> yeah yeah it's a you know it's the military industrial media complex right you know, but prison complex mm -hmm. you know i mean on and on and on and and uh you know we kind of now have this convenient way of summoning it all up as toxic masculinity right or right. white supremacy or mm -hmm. white privilege and these kinds of things i think it's all pretty accurate mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. yeah all of these issues are traced back to 
to the patriarchy, white patriarchy, and, yeah. and white supremacy. And it, so, well, and it's funny when people want to push back against that because mm-hmm. it always feels uh, a fairly unanimous kind of voice that's pushing back against it. Sure, yeah, <laughs> white guys. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, and, 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 it's pretty. You know, it's a, it's um, what's the word I'm trying to think of. It's, um, See yeah, it, uh, transparent. transparent. Yeah. It's, it's well, and, and I mean, some context today is the Kavanaugh hearing right. that's been dominating the news and uh, the internet and everything all day long. And uh, it's so interesting how many people want to say, well, this isn't about white guys. Right, 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 right. right. It is. It's, it's about a hundred percent. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, I, that's interesting. Now, uh, when you were an activist, uh, more of as a lifestyle, you, you're saying you're itinerant, probably traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, were you making music at that time, or was yeah, it a separate? I was. Okay, I was. Yeah, I had a, a trio called the Hundredth Monkey Generation. The difference between everything anarchists can do, whether or not the cops will let us bicycle band. <laughs> The name kept getting longer based on uh, different experiences and events that we had. Right. And we decided that we didn't want to um, to play for money at all in our entire exhaust oh, existence. Cool. So everything was benefit shows and riots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. And we were the, the house band uh, every night for a five-day walk from Red Rock, Nevada, to the n- nuclear test site. Oh, wow. Um, I like that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you might be into this gentleman in Corvallis, Chris, who he's trying to put on experimental shows where zero money is involved at any point. Well, that, this is what I was into. <laughs> oh, I see. Nowadays, you're looking for a paycheck. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, sure. again, it's uh, just that things are more or less appropriate depending on where you're at in your life. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and it's a different story to say, like, hey... I'm hoping that I can cover my costs so that I can get to my next uh, engagement. Yeah. Versus like, uh, no, it's the principle. I cannot accept money for any reason. <laughs> well, right, right, yeah. and that that was that was our philosophy at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were militantly against money. In fact, the reason why I lived out of a backpack for many years was because I didn't want to circulate money at all. Yeah. Well, and it, so I, I really tried to live as off the grid as I possibly could. Nice. That so, that is um. I mean, it, it's it's harder than it sounds, first it's of all. It's way harder. I uh, was not that good. At, I mean, <laughs> a lot of aspects of it I was very good at, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and uh, other aspects, not so much. I mean, I was 22 years old. Yeah. You know, uh, most of my friends, probably you, uh, are like this. That You know, we rebelled against kind of everything. Right. As teenagers, <laughs> right? And then, and then, like, what do you replace that with? You know, mm. you as an individual, because you're probably kind of isolated. Right. And you have to, like, piece together stuff as you go and, like, recreate a whole way of interacting. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a lot of flailing. Yeah. We all flail a lot. Very much and it so. takes years before you might start feeling like you're really in the flow. It's time for Dial a Song. Hey, what the hi, it's John F. of They Might Be Giants, and you're listening to Austin Rich on WTBC Radio and Beautiful Anywhere, Anywhere. It's a podcast with Austin, and this is They Might Be Giants' Song of the Week. This is the latest from us. It's our Dial a Song.
misspeller, GP, bestseller, Dutch tree, surrender, repeat, offender, lunch me, collector, roving, inspector, car seat, bartender, repeat, offender. Check out the frauds in this place, even the prices erased. Name tags of pseudonyms, they give you no clues, no clues to the case. There is no echo here, there is no echo here at all. Recall the duplicate, recall the duplicates, recall. Time, fast bender, true crowd, rewinder, chum line, extender, repeat, offender, grifter, pretender, part time, dead ender, dead beat, big spender, repeat, offender. There is no grace in this world, all of the shapes have been blurred. They pixelate my face, and I get no breaks, no breaks from these jerks. There is no echo here, there is no echo here at all. Recall the duplicate, recall the duplicates, recall. Yeah, I find that very um, interesting because I think a lot of artists have a certain amount of political component to their history mm -hmm. um some more so than others obviously. for sure uh yeah. but uh I, you know so like, like, i want to get into music a little bit now mm -hmm. there is something about improv and free improvisation improvisation that has a, an anarchist bent to it you know a yeah. um, a philosophical desire to Let's try something that really isn't structured, right? And do right. you think that those—that's what led you to that—is that your activism was kind of pushing you in that direction? Or? I've always improvised, even when I was a child. So I never okay. like to me there was never a, oh improvisation is a thing. I'm gonna start doing that. <laughs> right. So in fact, we're improvising right now. I mean, there, exactly. it's a con continuum constantly, whether you're sitting on an instrument or not. So. Right. Um, uh, activism uh, for me as playing. Uh, freely improvise music traveling like i do and uh is is an as a is an action right. it is a social political action for sure oh 100 percent. Yeah. yeah and um and it's a study in the what i think of as the true sense of what anarchy is mm. which is mm -hmm. not that there aren't hierarchies sure but that everybody who's participating understands that everybody has something unique to offer mm. right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you know uh as an anarchist i might think well you're a fireman or something you probably know more about that stuff than i do <laughs> right okay so there's a natural hierarchy there but mm -hmm. what i'm what i'm concerned about are unnatural hierarchies and this mm. is where what where all of our problems stem sociopolitically right yes and so in uh in freely improvised music scenarios i may have way more experience than somebody else i'm playing with i play with people of all generations that's another great thing about yeah. improvised music is is that cross pollination between generations is yes. a really great thing 
And, um, um, but th that experience that I bring to it does not necessarily overcome the uniqueness that the younger player brings to it. For sure. And for the sure. idea is that we're absolutely both going to learn from each other and for different reasons. Yeah. And for, we're going to learn what we each need as individuals through a communal um, process. There's that something works, about right? the um, world of experimentation and improvisation that seems to understand the value of youth and wisdom simultaneously uh -huh. in yep. a way that like rock and roll never understood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like rock right. and roll really only ever valued youthful impulses. Even old rockers <laughs> have to seem youthful. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. And almost kind of go against their own wisdom even at 60. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, but then there's people like Iggy Pop, you know, oh, and like... Yes. He'll, sure. He just pogos around that stage on one leg now, you know, and it's just, you think, what? The, last, the last time I saw him, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can't remember how old he was, but I was kind of already tired by the time the Stooges were starting. I was like, oh, I can tell I'm getting older. This is a little weird. So, uh -huh. <laughs> and he still blew it out of the water, and I'm, I'm like right. watching him, like, studying, like, I need to start exercising. I need to be yeah. like, if I want to make it to like that, I gotta. I, gotta <laughs> I don't think you can. It's too late to be like that. Right. Now. Exactly. <laughs> I think I need no. To... I mean, no. Physically, you can do plenty of things with your body. Sure. But I mean, sure. But I mean, yeah. There's just there's nobody like Iggy Pop. Yeah. Well, and and I think that that is what um, kind of what we're getting at too is that like when mm -hmm. you recognize that uh, what they have to offer that's unique, that's different, that has. Uh, um, a flavor component that uh, contributes, mm -hmm. like that gets exciting, you right? Know? Like, it, um, unlike you know, jamming with your uncles where you're just doing like smoke on the water over and over again and kind of mm -hmm. getting bored, like when someone else comes in and they do a piano riff like you've never heard, that's mm -hmm. like, like mm -hmm. it really turns the conversation around, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you also do some stuff that is composed it's not all mm -hmm. improvisation oh yeah uh, i do a lot of composed music yeah as well. now do you access something different when you're trying to go there like what uh i mean obviously the the improv is just kind of being in the moment but uh where does the compositions come from yeah Im improvisation for me is definitely about being in the moment and, and uh, in sound yes yeah and, and um uh, well, let's say, uh, like tonight, I'll be singing songs, mm -hmm. and which is a new thing that I'm doing, and um, <laughs> and um, and so these are composed, mm -hmm. and I spent a, lo a lot of time thinking about the arrangements of them, the the presets that I created on my keyboard for every different song, sure. um, um, and you know nuances and inflections in my voice, and so it's in some ways it's very prepared, right, right. Uh, it's certainly going to be plenty of spontaneity in there too, but yeah, kind of um, like um, the uh, bebop era where they have like A to B to C is a little bit iffy, but then we do uh -huh. D and we close, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that I'm just uh, not, I'm probably not as quite as prepared as I would like to be, mm. in a sense. Sure. And so, but I'm okay with that because I know that that will create. A, certain things spontaneously that I'll follow for a bit and then I can come back into the song for instance yeah you know so, uh, where your energy is going to go and so you can more or less kind of guide it and, and get yourself in at that least I, I'm familiar with everything enough that I can kind of guide some <laughs> wild uh, energy and you know um, 
splinters that happen at times. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like that. Having uh, that kind of understanding of what it takes to get you in the creative zone, mm. um, you know, this is something that I've been fighting with, I think, my whole life is like, mm. you know, part of me thinks like I should just be able to sit down at any time and crank something out. <laughs> right, and, right. And that it's taken me this long to realize that, like, you know, actually. I need to be in the right mood. I need to have some food. It needs mm -hmm. to. I need to have enough time ahead of me to really get into it, and I yeah. have to be ready to abandon the first half if it's not working. Right. Uh, and it, I, you know, like training myself to get there really felt like a, a lot more, uh, almost like taking on yoga or like a Buddhist oh, kind of thing uh -huh. than anything else. Oh, it, interesting. Yeah. It became about the discipline. You know, right? And and I and yeah. I, I just I find that part of being an artist interesting because, um, it you know some people get that right away and others mm. really struggle with it forever. Um, mm. When you meet other artists that you're performing with, uh, do you get a sense of where they are on that continuum when you start playing with them, or is that something you find out as you go? Um, well, in freely improvised music settings, um, I mean I generally have a sense of of what uh, where a person's at what they're bringing to it and so on ahead mm -hmm. of time mm -hmm. and but sometimes I may not at all I may not know anything about yeah. the person I'm going to be playing with and so but I think that the concept of yeah how you know how do you be creative in this society too? Because mm. part of it is this society is so uncreative in certain ways. <laughs> right. And um, I've never heard it put that way, but that's uh, totally what it is. Well, I mean, just look around. We live in boxes in uh, on grids. Yeah. Everything is uh, dictated. There's mm -hmm. really not. There's less and less wild space. But you drive there, and there's a designated wild space and a path you can walk. You know. Yeah. I mean, endlessly, endlessly like this. We have controlled everything and secured everything in certain ways that <laughs> and we've marked off all the other places where we're like and that part is something uh -huh. else <laughs> that part is totally something else yeah, and, yeah. and the barbed wire tells you that mm -hmm, exactly and so um <laughs> so i think that we're uh constantly being trained to not be creative mm, and so i think that it's it's more a matter of i for me is Yes, be able to find that, that place wherever you need to be to be creative, but then allow that to seep out into normal parts of your life. Yeah. Find ways to be creative when you're walking down the street or at the supermarket or whatever, you yeah. know, in a conversation and so on. Um, and so that it really starts to bleed out into all of your life. Yeah. And then you'll always be creating it as a, you can also still have that absolutely dedicated time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and place and so on i don't have that when i'm traveling i i'm constantly working in in different environments mm -hmm. and um and so but i wrote something a while back i said uh writer's block i don't get mm. um um what did i say uh oh man wait <laughs> the writer's cramp I understand, on the other hand. Mm, I, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get Yeah, you uh, know, that, I like that, where um, you, you don't have the problem of putting something out. 
but like it's often the uh, environmental or the logistic problem. You know, like you, sometimes you're driving. You, obviously, you can't be creative. Then. Well, actually, um, we are. We talk. We talk all the time about. Well, well, how did that work? And well, maybe we tried this or that or this or that. And we, so we are actually talking. And and being in motion is a great way to kickstart your creative process. Actually. Oh, okay, I like that. Yeah, walking, uh, being in a vehicle that's moving in through mm-hmm. space of some sort. Um, rather than sitting. Yeah. You know, it's sitting. interesting because I always have the solitary experience of walking. My walks uh-huh. are just kind of in the neighborhood and then I come right. home. Right. Uh, I would really like to try that with somebody else, see mm-hmm. how like a good conversation in motion might right. work out. Yeah, good. I like that <laughs> idea. <laughs> if you want it, you can have it, but you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it. If you are looking for professional photography and contemporary style and glamour, then J. Jean Portraits is your destination. Based right here in Salem, Oregon, just like this podcast, J. Jean Portraits can offer the right kind of photos for the project that you have in mind. To help wet the whistle of people interested in J. Jean Portraits, we are holding a contest for the person or artist who would like to do a little photo shoot on us. Please send an email to austinrich at gmail.com and explain why you should have your band, art project, or whatever photographed in a short paragraph. And the most interesting entry will receive a full photo shoot package courtesy of J. Jean Portraits. You do not want to miss out on this opportunity to get professional quality photography for free. So please enter to win a free photography package with J. Jean Portraits. That's jjeanportraits.com. A professional look tailored specifically for you. WTBC Radio is also sponsored by Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. Locally made in Portland, Oregon, Peggy's Sauce is 100% vegan and 100% ready for you to experience a taste explosion you'll want again and again. Available in three flavors, Hotter Melon, Ghostberry, Five Star Gary, Carolina Reaper. That's with avocados. For more information about Peggy's Sauce, including ordering inquiries, please visit Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce, all one word, on either Facebook or Instagram. Let me say it one more time, Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce, when you need a little something with an extra kick. I'm trying to remember how I f- you first came on my radar, and I'm pretty sure it was Bob Bucko Jr. Mm-hmm. who first clued me in. And That's what I figured. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, one, it, everything on his personal archives has a very interesting flavor to it. That's mm-hmm. very, it's it's, inter- it's unique for each group. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately became obsessed as soon as I met uh-huh. him. Yeah. I was like, I have to find out more about these, these yeah. this, uh, this label. Uh, how did you meet Bob? I'm curious. Was that just on tour? Um, I think he was uh, he was booking at uh, Monks in Dubuque. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that yeah he booked my first show and uh, um, and yeah we just hit it off right away. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, is that you find? A, I mean, you get to meet a lot of musicians in mm-hmm. your career. Is that, is that usually you hit it off pretty quickly? Is, is it? It's a pretty instantaneous kind of moment. I think a lot of times it is. Yeah, nice. not always <laughs> for sure. Some people have to ease into the moment. <laughs> yeah, and I've even had conflict with other musicians. You know, I mean, sure. I, we're human beings. We have right. life is messy, and we're all freaks. You know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, but I, I do find that yeah, I get along with most people, and I like people a lot. Yeah. I like to get along with people, mm-hmm. but I also I'm uh, pretty you know, boneheaded too in my own ways and opinionated. And <laughs> I like so. that about artists, though, is that like. Um, there's something about being creative where you really are willing to be as opinionated as you like. Mm. They, they come in in a combination in some mm-hmm. way, um, and, and uh, you know I often don't agree with artists I meet, but I mm-hmm. like their uh, <laughs> conviction. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, hope, fortunately it hasn't been a point where I'm like, wow, I cannot be in the same room with you because we don't agree. But right. you know, the uh, I like the idea that there are people who feel something so strongly and yeah. it helps take me to that place where I get to see that perspective. Right. Well, I, something I realized a while back is that uh, people like genius from afar. They don't, <laughs> they don't want them sleeping on their couch. Right. <laughs> and, uh, this is true. This is very true. Um, and so, and familiarity breeds disinterest. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I guess you. That is true, though. Mm-hmm. I, I see this with a lot of uh, older relationships, not just artists, but mm-hmm. uh, personal relationships, where yeah. you know, the further into it they go, like the less interested in each other they become. <laughs> Maybe less excited. Whatever. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> now, uh, so uh, you know, I am actually going to meet Rent Ramos for the first time. Oh, good. Uh, coming up soon. And uh, I know he's someone you've played with. Oh yeah. Uh, um, oh, he's a very important person in, in my life. At, well, and and a, a, a massive figure in music too. Like he's fantastic. Massive. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, how did that go? Meeting up with him and, and working with him. Uh, well, he was uh, running a series, a long, long running series called Lug- Luggage Store. Yeah. At the Luggage Store Gallery mm-hmm. and uh, in San Francisco, and um, so he uh, booked me for. Mm-hmm. And that and that was it. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then uh, he wanted to put out this uh, album of the music that I was playing. I was with a duo with Rick Rivera on drums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the first, basically, first projects when I came back from uh, uh, activism, and, mm-hmm. and so came back from activism. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it, it's kind it's of like you know, like, Peace Corps or something. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I've put out a ton of albums on Hedgestone Records, which is his label, which mm-hmm. is an incredible label. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he and I have had a Bloom Project for a while, mm-hmm. which is the two of us, and then we have different uh, kind of revolving uh, people uh, come in and out. We've done some tours and a bunch of albums, and he's an incredible musician, incredible human being, like one of the most amazing people I've ever known in my life. Yeah, I'm excited because I only know him through music, and yeah. so I'm I'm very curious to know what he's like in in the room. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting. He's definitely an interesting person. He's very unique. Cool. For sure. Yeah. Tell him I said hi. I will. I will. Well, and like, and that's I think the similarity between a lot of the people that you've worked with. That mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, 
you know, imagine Nels Klein has a lot of those same qualities where it's like, he's, he's fascinating, but he's also like, you know, an artist and a person, you know, like. Yeah, he's pretty much just a person. <laughs> like any other. Sure. He's a, he's an, but he's a definitely an interesting person. I mean, he can be, have, he has opinions. Sure. And he has, and he's also a very uh, generous, accommodating person and interested, to, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we've got a fourth album coming out. Nice. Next uh, May. Nice. <laughs> well, I'll have to pick that up when it comes out. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, um, so uh, the um, working with Sarah must have been a mm. change of pace from all this because Sarah is primarily known for unwound and kind of rock music type right. drumming. But when you listen to her perform, uh, she's doing interesting time signatures and odd fills. I love her playing. She so doesn't much. do like a straight kit performance like a rock band does. Yeah, uh, but she also, I mean, it rocks. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen her play a bunch in Unwound, uh, but yeah. I haven't seen her play uh, with you uh, mm -hmm. or kind of other types of music. And I'm, I just, I'm very curious to, I mean, like. She's one of those people I think that could do anything. Yeah. And so I, I just I would love to see the what that's like in in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good for sure. Yeah. This was a we met because um, well, Sam Coombs yes. from Quasi yeah, introduced yeah. us. Okay. And I was doing a project of playing um, mostly distorted roads with drums, and trying to find you know that place between punk rock and improvisation and yes. like, and so. Um, so uh, he introduced us when I was coming through, and we got together and we played in the, uh, her practice space and recorded it kind of crudely with just a handheld digital recorder, and a sure. label wanted to put that out. <laughs> uh, New Atlantis Records. Nice. And so, and um, then there was just the interest, and we loved, we loved what we did. I think she really loved being in a situation where she could play exactly how she wanted to play at any given moment. Right. And... I think there's a lot of, I mean, Unwound is an amazing band, and, mm -hmm. and some, they're definitely playing songs, and there's, you know, but there's a lot of, there's a certain amount of freedom within that as well. Oh, yeah, they and, improvise. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit different with what we were doing, and, um, and uh, yeah, right away, I just, I felt like she was the perfect drummer for this project. <laughs> and so we put out a second album uh, that Brent Asbury recorded, and, um, and just put it on Bob's uh, label. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think he sent me that one too. Oh, good. <laughs> well, you would remember if you hear it. Mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> it, it's such. I mean, like you hit on something that I find very. Uh, the intersection between like punk rock and uh, yeah, the sun keeps moving, doesn't it? Uh, All right, I'm gonna uh, go right behind this pole. There you go. The the punk rock slash uh, improvisation mm -hmm. intersection. You know, I feel like there's more... I mean, obviously, Mike Watt gets it and some other people who've also kind of similarly pursued uh, non-punk rock things but have right. a punk background. Yeah. Um, was that something that you uh, were specifically trying to carve out or was it just kind of by, you know, the, the people that you ended up working with going in that direction? Well, um, I've, I think it just comes out from my curiosity and... Um, my uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. So I grew up um, in San Jose. Uh, okay. In the like uh, high school was early eighties. Sure. Like graduated in eighty five. Okay. And so there was West West Coast punk. 
everywhere. Yeah. There was a great uh, jazz club called Cumbua in Santa Cruz where my uh, stepsister uh, worked. And okay. so I saw many incredible, extraordinary, legendary uh, jazz musicians there. And I grew up uh, playing, uh, studying classical piano. Okay. And um, like I said, I've always improvised and composed. And so, and in San Jose, it's an incredible multicultural city, really. Okay. And uh, so, you know, the, I mean, hear uh, Vietnamese music and um, Norteño and Corredos and, um, and salsa and um, Japanese taiko. And I played in the Gamelan uh, Ensemble that Lou Harrison built. And <laughs> I played in West African Drumming Troupe. And I studied Persian music and Chinese music and Karnatak music. And, like, and so um, I just have, uh, like I said, a curiosity for all kinds of different types of musics. And... Um, and I had all this experience with lots of different types of music, so it's just natural for me to. But I and then I just want to always be pushing myself, you know. Mm. I'm not interested in um, in just doing one thing, you yeah. know, just this one thrust. And so that'd be pretty boring. I, well, for me it is. Yeah. Um, although some people do that and and they get really deep into something. Like there's, <laughs> there's just different ways of look. I think that I get deep in everything that I do. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel like I'm thinning myself out. Right. Maybe I have slightly, and that's, I'm <laughs> But I think that the, I don't think the quality of my output has dipped at all. I just, I'm getting like to the point where I can, I need to be more focused, which I'm doing. Sure. Anyway, but um, yeah, I just, I'm interested in everything, you know. with Fallon McDonis here on the program. Uh, you know, you can find a lot of his music online and there'll be lots of little links and things in the show notes to places that you can find him uh, and the work that he does. Very versatile and uh, wide-ranging uh, artist who, uh, whew, man, does everything uh, under the sun. Uh, so, yeah, I would uh, dig in. I think that if you are a fan of music, you'll probably find something that he does that you'll like. And uh, I'll give you a two-for-one recommendation. Check out his stuff on the Personal Archives website. Uh, Bob Bucko Jr. has a very good understanding of the work that Fallen does and presents the material in a way that I think is very complimentary to the ideas and uh, the material inside. So uh, that's a two-for-one recommendation right here on this program, starting 2019 off right. You know, the very first episode of this show was one year ago. Uh, we started in 2018 with the idea that we would run uh, new episodes every Tuesday. And look at the time. It's one year later, and we have kept up that promise. Uh, we were late a couple of times, and for that I do apologize. But, uh, you know, having made 52 shows this year, I think that that's a pretty good 
record, and uh, I'm really proud of the quality of the conversations and the material on the show, so I think that that is even better. Uh, What can I say? I picked some good guests, and we talked about some good stuff. That's how that works. Uh, It's a a good lesson for people who want to make podcasts. Pick good guests. Talk about good stuff. Uh, But yeah, uh, as we begin this Magic 2019, the year before the future begins, uh, I I think that uh, it's hard not to want to look forward and look to the past and consider this that we've done and consider what we want to do and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the reality is that uh, it's just another day. We've got to do another show. There's more to come. There's been stuff in the past. And uh, that's one of those things that uh, I think talking to someone like Fallen really helps uh, drive home. Live in the moment. Be here now. All of those cliched things that uh, people say when they're trying to be helpful... And uh, if you actually start thinking about it, it really is. But it takes a while to get there, so sometimes you're a little bit stubborn and whatnot. But uh, when you get there, you're like, wow, yeah, be here now. Perfect, I get it. This is cool. But man, it takes a while to get there. Anyway, uh, that's a long way of saying I'm very happy that we're a year in. I'm proud of the shows that I've done. I'm looking forward to doing some new ones. And I think that... uh, The spirit of Thalem's music and art and creativity is a good thing to consider moving forward. Uh, 2019 is going to be fun with more cool conversations. And uh, we need the positive energy to keep going because things don't seem to be improving politically or culturally in certain ways. Uh, Yes. The same old, same old situation happening here. Uh, Before I get too depressing and can't talk my way out of it, let me just say that I'm very excited about the direction the show is going and uh, couldn't have done it without you. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. Without you, there would be no show. Be seeing you. of collaborations but there's one with someone who is no longer with us andy kaufman yeah uh that is really interesting right uh what was the genesis of this uh because it's you're you're basically kind of like improving with him in well, a way we collaborated on songs <laughs> yeah uh, through a series of dreams that started on my 35th birthday oh okay the night of my 35th birthday he died when he was 35 right Part of it was that he said he wanted to um, collaborate with me because he respected the way that I was living and he wanted to mm. experience being a struggling artist. Got it. Which he never really experienced. Yeah. He had a lot of success early on. <laughs> right. And um, 
and he didn't get to continue yeah to, well you know he was a total <clears throat> experientialist i mean he wanted to experience yeah. everything he tried to experience what it'd be like to be a struggling artist he would go out and perform and bomb on purpose right right he would get kicked out of places on purpose he would make people pissed off on it on purpose it's kind of the tony so, clifton idea you know right like, it's tony clifton but also like a lot of his you know just his shows that he yeah. would do like the first half of it people would be like what is this is terrible who is this yeah. <laughs> why did i pay for this yeah exactly <laughs> and so um but anyway so he uh just came to me in uh, a series of dreams and we collaborated together like i do with uh, any person like mm-hmm. we would you know yeah just, uh, talking about stuff and it was incredibly fun we laughed a lot yeah he provided a lot of the lyrics uh, but we worked on those together. And then I um, would wake up each morning. When I woke up from these dreams each morning, I would try to piece it together the best I could and record it. Right. And so then Bob, uh, I didn't do anything for a year. So this was in 2002. Oh, okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. And um, I, one thing that of any, well, one thing that Andy Kaufman said to me was that you'll know when is the right time to put this out there. Mm. And there, and it's true, there was really not a reason to do this at any point in time, and so therefore I didn't. Right. But then I met uh, a friend, he brought up Andy Kaufman and how he knew him when he was younger, and he was creating this show that, with these different stories, and one of them had to do with knowing Andy Kaufman. And so it was just like this, like bell that went off and then I told it to Bob and he wanted to release them so there's like really scratch recordings mm-hmm. of um, of these songs that were that came through these dreams yeah and I'm now I'm I've uh, rearranged them and I'm singing some of those tonight oh nice yeah excellent yeah so <laughs> <laughs> now that was was that the intention when you recorded them originally was to have them be performed or did you even think that far well, I didn't really think that far ahead. Okay. I didn't know. I mean, I wasn't uh, even playing out. I right. wasn't playing shows at this point in time. In oh, okay. Life. Got it. So this is yeah. more, more home for yourself, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was composing and I was recording and, at the time. And and so, um, but yeah, I had no particular intention of what to do with these. Interesting. Well, there's, you know, there's like a, an eerie kind of beauty to them that are mm. just... Like that one really stuck out when uh, Bob sent it to me because it had, I don't know this. Uh, I mean, it was funny too. Like it, it it's like it, it has all of the qualities that Kaufman and you have together. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, know. and uh, and I would say that I really don't write like that otherwise. Mm. You know, I've kind of done comparison with other songs of mine, and there's definitely um, some similarities, but I think that it goes off into directions that I wouldn't have gone otherwise. WTPC Anywhere Anywhere From our house to yours